Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On the eve of Battlefront 2's release, Mitch Dyer reveals his surprising journey from Battlefront reviewer to the writer of the next game in the series. We chat about the heavy weight of writing one of the first post-Return of the Jedi canon stories about Luke Skywalker and get never-before-heard insight into what Lucasfilm's one big question was before he got the go-ahead. That's incomprehensible to me that we got to take take a look at Luke Skywalker in the aftermath of Return of the Jedi when his father has died. He's seen his father redeem himself. The Emperor has fallen. He's realized that Leia is his sister. He's come to terms with a lot of stuff. He's probably in a pretty raw place. We had to think about what is Luke thinking and how is he thinking about things right now? What kind of journey is Luke on after Return of the Jedi? What is he seeking? This is Steel Wars episode 149. Mitch Dyer, the Battlefront 2 writer, reveals how to get your Luke Skywalker story approved by Lucasfilm. This is Steel Wars episode 149 with Mitch Dyer. The Battlefront 2 writer reveals how to get your Luke Skywalker story approved by Lucasfilm. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And this week we have got a man of the moment. He co-wrote Battlefront 2, the video game that's about to chew up the lives of many of my friends. Welcome to the podcast, Mitch Dyer. Man, that was an intro. Thanks, Steel. What's going on, man? You, it's, it's, it's the calm before the storm. You, you're about it to is. totally tear Star Wars families apart by people staying up to <laughs> all hours, maybe not even going to bed ever again. Uh, how excited are you? I am beyond excited, man. It's very, it's it's very cool to be able to work on this project. It's it's special to me because I, you know, I, I skipped a lot of high school classes playing Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, my dad plays like hundreds of hours of the of the first Dice game in 2015, and now I get to like make a Battlefront story for him and many other Star Wars fans around the world. It's pretty nuts. Now, what's your your first memory of Star Wars? Uh, it's it's vivid and uh, not exactly flattering for me. It was I walked home after school one day. And my dad I, was watching The Empire Strikes Back. I have to say they're the best types of memories. Yeah. Oh man. Seriously. So I get home and my dad's watching The Empire Strikes Back, and I say, "What are you doing?" And he says, "I'm watching Star Wars. You want to watch Star Wars?" And I said, "Nah. Star Wars sucks." And I left the room. 
I had no idea what Star Wars was. I was just like, oh, my dad likes it. It must be lame. And he's like, no, no, come on. Come sit down and watch this movie. Just watch this movie. And it changed my life. I was like, are you serious? This is a real movie? There are more? We have to see these in theaters. And then they re-released them all. And it was and that. It was all downhill from there, man. Oh, I, uphill by the sounds of it. What about, my first memory. What about your first memory of a Star Wars video game? Oh, man. What was the first? It must have been... It had to be one of the Jedi Knight games. I don't necessarily remember which one. Maybe Dark Forces, like even earlier than that, um, in in a time where it was like, oh, I guess computer games exist. That's a thing that I don't own. Uh, but I had friends who like played Dark Forces, and there was like, I can't. Like, oh, what was the name of that pilot? He had the most ridiculous and amazing name. Oh, was it Kyle? Oh, I, my memory's terrible. Was but that- yeah, it was like, no, that was the the Jedi Knight guy. But in Dark Force, maybe I'm thinking of a different game. But it was like uh, you were like popping in and out of cover, and it was like a shooter, and you shot like little FMV stormtroopers. Uh, you had some space missions. That's that's the vaguest memory of the Star Wars game I have in my early early life. I'm pretty sure I played Dark Forces. I think that was the one where they had the Dianoga, but you got to see the rest of its body, which I thought was at the time mid '90s. I was behind the curtain. I, I couldn't believe all that was going on underneath the, the trash compactor. Yeah, right. Now... Yeah, you're right. Star Force and Kyle Katar. I am misremembering. That's okay. You, you hated Star Wars, so uh, you're already on the back. Yeah, it's true. I thought it was lame. Now, <laughs> I, I'm pretty fascinated with your career path because I, I did a bit of research, and by that I mean I googled your name and watched some videos... But one of them... That's not just a strong start to a conversation. <laughs> I watched some videos of you. I have, I have a vivid, uh, embarrassing memory of you. But you are reviewing, <laughs> you are reviewing Battlefront 1. And now... How about that, right? You are riding Battlefront 2. Now, I yeah. feel like you're giving false hope to opinionated nerds the world wide. <laughs> But how did this come about? I'm a bad example. I'm a bad example, man, for sure. Uh, It came about, so I reviewed the first game, and I think I gave an 8 out of 10 for IGN.com, where I was working many years before I started EA Motive. And uh, I, I finished the review, and it was like Motive had been announced kind of recently, and I'd sent Jade like a congrats, let me know if you ever need anything email. I'd love to write a video game for you someday. And that was like months prior. Uh, and it was around the time I, I was reviewing the game. I got I was contacted by EA about a potential job. And Amy Henning wanted to know if I was interested in this job at Motive. Uh, and it, it started to, to snowball toward the end of 2015. And then I moved to Montreal in 2016 to, to start working on Star Wars Story. That was kind of it. It was just the craziest timing. Now, what goes into actually writing a video game? Like, for, for those that aren't, you know, that haven't been video game journalists for many years, like, are you just writing a story and then the game is plugged around that? Or what's, what's how do you get going? It was, it's an, it, Battlefront 2 is a unique case because... Working in Star Wars, obviously, when you're doing a single-player campaign, you need to put story first. You need to know what the Star Wars story is going to be. So we kind of we kind of wrote the game in two phases. In phase one, early on, we basically we outlined and started writing what was basically a film script in Final Draft. 
about what these characters were going to do in the course of the game, the places they were going to go, the kinds of missions they were going to go on. But when you do that, you you have a lot of gaps because you don't know what the levels are going to look like, what the player is going to want to do, what you know, what the what the level designers are going to want the player to do. The specifics of the mission, if something isn't quite fun enough, you change it, you adjust the level. It's a lot of iteration uh, to build a fun and engaging and varied single player mission. So we didn't have that early on. Obviously, all we had was ideas. So we had ideas on the table. We had characters that we were really confident in, new locations and uh, iconic locations that you know from the films. And phase two was basically, okay, we understand what the characters are doing and the the high-level arcs that they're going to go on, the journeys they're on. Uh, Moment to moment, what is the combat like? What is the exploration like? What is the action-adventure of it all? And as the level designers are defining that in locations like Fondor and Endor and uh, trying not to list off too many spoilers, other locations in the single player campaign, the writing has to adapt to that. So it's very both teams need to be super flexible and fluid. Level design is kind of molding their levels to the script. The script is molding itself around the evolving levels. And in the end, what you have is a marriage between space and characters in a way that hopefully feels really genuine and authentic to Star Wars. Now, being on both sides of, you know, both the critiquing and, and the writing, what, what, what things surprised you about making a video game that, that perhaps when you were, were judging, you uh, weren't aware of? Man, that is, I probably should have thought of an answer to that before this, because that's something I've, it's, it's something that's definitely crossed my mind in the many, many months I've been working on this game, but I've never written any of them down to remember them. Um, games is, is, I think people don't give enough credit or, or think enough about how, um, how these things come together. And it's, it's not anybody's fault. It's just not information that's out there. Cause you know, while you're making a game, you're very protective of how, you know, the content you're making and how the process goes. Um, I think from a narrative side, speaking purely just on the stuff that I've done, it's amazing how much, uh, care goes into the like the precise timing of a single line of of voiceover for the most minor of characters like i never thought when i was playing a game that this that the 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 npcs of the ai around me the enemies everything everything they do is meticulously put into place uh to to play at the right time to make sure that you have the right amount of information uh, something that was really challenging for me coming in, you know, obviously having never written a game before was how do we communicate to the player the context of the world around them and what they need to do in an organic piece of dialogue that characters are having with each other. So if you have, you know, two enemies at a door ahead, those two enemies need to be doing something that is believable and and true to their objective as people in the universe. But that objective and the conversation they're having about it also has to inform the player that, hey, we have reinforcements ready. We have a turret behind this door. We have surprises waiting for them, right? Like kind of telegraphing stuff for the player that they wouldn't expect. And and in a way, that's almost like a reward. You know, if you sit around and you pay attention to the dialogue around you, you're going to have more information as a player and be, be, be better prepared to engage the enemy when you're ready. Now, um, something just occurred to me, like if, if you just took the script from what you wrote for the for the game, like... How would that play out in a novel? Like, is it the gameplay that adds, like, extra juice to it? Or does the story sort of stand by itself, in your opinion? 
it's I, the gameplay is core to our story because we really wanted the gameplay um, to have we wanted that we wanted there to be character moments in gameplay. We didn't ever want it to be okay. The cutscene plays and you you're you put the controller down and you watch this character scene, and that's great. Uh, and then when the gameplay picks up, the characters don't exist and you're just a a, a shooting person. You're just a vessel for violence, right? <laughs> If you took just the script, just the cutscenes, and put it into um, a book, it would be incomprehensible. You would have an idea of who the characters are, but you would lose a lot of the reasons they change and the stuff that happens to them because the gameplay is the events of their lives. And the cutscenes are how we kind of pace things out to, okay, breathe. The action sequence has ended. You have earned a bit of peace. And now it is time for characters to have a conversation, for them to make a risky move, for them to to do something different that uh, either, you know, you can't do in gameplay or it just isn't as interesting or uh, it, it requires you to kind of slow down the pace. So if you took all the gameplay out, you'd be missing a ton. And because we have so much dialogue in this game. And that was the thing that surprised me is we put more writing into this game than I expected was possible because our characters in gameplay are always talking. They have conversations, they have arguments, they debate, they plan, they do these, they have, they have very personal moments that maybe kind of cross the line of military professionalism. Uh, and, and those, those are really core to the relationships of the characters. Uh, uh, one of my favorite examples really early on, on Endor after the death star explodes, spoilers for return of the Jedi, Aiden Versio, who's the commander of Inferno Squad, she's the protagonist of our game. She's our hero of the Empire. She's with her right-hand man, Gideon Hask. And Aiden is furious about the Death Star. Somebody above her screwed up, maybe as high up as the Emperor. And Hask has a moment where he says, ah, okay, I know we're alone. But if that's if, if it's okay with you, I'm going to get you know permission to speak freely. It sounds treasonous when you say things like that, and it kind of scares me. And they can have that personal moment where they can kind of let their military guard down, have a personal moment as friends, and then turn it back on military professionalism when it's time to engage the rebels. And they can be open and they can be honest and they can disagree even though they both want the same thing. They both want order. They both want peace in the galaxy. But the means by which they achieve that and their thoughts about uh, who's the best person to do that might not always align. And that makes for really interesting gameplay and character moments that you you can't do in a cutscene. Interesting. Now, in recent Star Wars star- storytelling, there has been a lot of sort of like the Empire's point of view, like w- w- with the Thrawn book and with Inferno Squadron. How have is, is that challenging as a writer that you're sort of writing a, a hero that is actually working for the bad guy? <laughs> It to start yes, but I mean honestly, like when I I wanted to tell an imperial story my whole life, and this story is the 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 one that's been in the back of my mind, and I got to work on on it with a very close friend of mine, Walt Williams. He's the co-writer, uh, and we got to tell this imperial story, which is great because when Lost Stars came out, when that novel came out, and you got to see Thane Carell and Sienna Ree in the Empire behind the scenes, this is what it's like to be an officer. They're interfacing with Tarkin. That was like a dream come true. That's the novel I've always wanted. And Lost Stars is one of my favorites. Thrawn, same thing. Loved seeing that character come back. Loved seeing the inner workings of the Empire. Uh, and I, I agree with you that it's a very big challenge to make somebody in the Empire likable. Uh, t- to the point that I think that for a long time, our protagonist, Aiden Versio, was not. She wasn't 
you know, on the page, she was she was interesting. She was cool. She was cold. She was brutal. But she wasn't somebody that I empathized with. And when we went to casting and we found Janina Gavankar, it, that was the moment. That was the moment I realized I care about this person because Janina brought this fire and this emotion to Aiden that felt real. And it made me feel like people in the Empire have passions. They have beliefs. They care about things. They disagree with each other. They're individuals, even though they're all fighting for the same purpose. And I think that when you see Aiden struggle with the aftermath of the Death Star 2 and figuring out the next steps for the Empire and the survival of the galaxy, she reveals a lot of, of humanity in that character. And her squad mates do as well. I mean, Gideon Hask and Del Mico, these guys around her, that they're the foils for her, her as a protagonist. You get to really reveal a lot about individuals within the empire and you know you might not necessarily agree with them and by no means are you going to walk away from battlefront saying you know what the empire was right all along i think the last or the the return of the jedi is a tragedy uh, it's uh the rebellion was wrong the whole time it's just it's a different perspective and it's it's a perspective that is new and fresh and we haven't really seen in many stories in star wars and that's why it was so exciting to get to write it what you you said that this story's been brewing in you for a very long time. Um, what's maybe a early fan embarrassing part of the story that that got knocked out years ago? Oh man, oh I because I I repress all the bad memories of all my bad ideas. <laughs> I throw a lot of bad ideas in the garbage, man, and that's where they live forever. And I never have to think about them again. It's the only way to stay sane as a writer. Oh man, like I'm doing NaNoWriMo this month, National Novel Writing Month, and I'm writing a I'm writing a personal like a side story. Uh-huh. And it is hard, man. It is you throw a lot of stuff away and if it's not working, you just forget about it forever. <laughs> that's um, the only way you're ever going to find quality is you just focus on the stuff that's good and that's what makes it in the game and that's hopefully what people really enjoy. Now, you you mentioned uh the, like the casting process. Like as the writer yeah. of a video game, like how involved are you in that? Uh, I I saw every audition that we did for every character. Uh, we and my my co-writer Walt, who worked remotely, he lives in Louisiana. He saw everything as well, uh, because it was really important for us as writers to be able to identify and and have an opinion on the people that we were casting and bringing in to represent the characters that we wrote. So uh, our game director Mark Thompson, our art director Chris Matthews, our executive producer J.F. Poirier, these people, we all sat together in a room. We were on the phone. We were watching auditions. We were trading opinions. Here, oh, this person had something really special about them. We should get in touch, have them come back. Um, and it's a lot of, of watching people come in, and it's a lot of watching the same script be read over and over and over, which it, it sounds and it is kind of exhausting to see the same – you know, script performed multiple times. But when you've got that thing memorized because you've heard it a hundred times and somebody comes along and stands out as except as exceptional, that's the moment you know like this person is this is special. This is a, a different take. This stands out. This matters. This is somebody we should be talking to. This is somebody we should be casting. Wow, it sounds like I, I don't think the average person really computes with how you know, close it is to like, like you know, on the level of a movie. Um, where would you, you know, you're a video game writer now. 
Who's got the harder job? Someone writing a compelling Star Wars uh, video game for a very demanding audience or a, a Star Wars film for, a, for an equally very demanding audience? Oh, man. I think the pressure is a lot higher if you're Ryan Johnson and you're writing a film, especially a sequel to a, a very good and very well-established set of characters. Uh, I think they have different problems to solve. I think... In film, you want to make sure that, you know, you only have two hours, usually, especially in Star Wars. This film clock in pretty close to two hours every single time. You have two hours to tell a story about this amazing cast. And, like, looking at The Last Jedi and the amount of stuff we've seen in the trailers, I have no idea how Ryan can possibly tell all of the stories and pay off all of those moments in two hours. And I can't wait to see how he does it because Ryan's incredible. Ryan Johnson's a phenomenal writer. He's one of my favorites and he was before he, he, he got signed off for the last Jedi. And that's why I was so excited for him to come on and write episode eight. But for games, you're working on things that, you know, our game is five, six, seven hours long. And you need to make sure that your characters are engaging every step of the way. And, it's hard because in, it, with this particular project, we're introducing new characters uh, in the same way that episode seven was. We're saying the names Iden Bersio, Del Mico, Gideon Hask. You need to, to make sure that these become names that people know. And when they finish the game, they need to remember these names and the journeys they went on and the, the encounters they had with enemies and the, the problems that they solved along the way. It's a lot. Uh but it, it's it's a lot in film as well, so I don't I don't know who's got it rougher, man. I don't know. I think Ryan's got a lot more pressure on his back than I do. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, looking at at the the financials of how many units these video games sell for or, or sell, that's intimidating, right? And, Holy moly! And like, do you know what I mean? Like, there there is a chance that you you might top Rogue One in box office, which. <laughs> is, that, that's that's quite a thought, John. I mean, I'm not sure how well the Atari Empire Strike. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Back game went up against the Empire Strikes Back, but uh I'm wondering uh, how closely did you work with Christy with Inferno Squad and, and the novel? It was really closely. Like I, So basically, we went to Lucasfilm. We had a bunch of meetings with them about what are the origins of these characters? Where does Inferno Squad come from? Why does it exist? You know, what, how did, what prompts the Empire to say we need special forces and who's going to be in it? We figured out who these characters were, where they're from, what the planet Vardos is like, what is Aiden's connection there, what's her relationship with her family like. And we built up all of this stuff, uh, you know, expecting it would just be a foundation we could reference rather than actually use to communicate the story we were trying to tell. And Lucasfilm was super involved in that process. They were in the room with us. You know, Steve Blank is up there on the whiteboard making notes about Aiden's father as we're, as we're rattling it off and having conversations with Pablo and Leland about, you know, who are Aiden's companions? Why are they friends? Where, when did they meet? Where are they from? And all of that was the stuff that 
everyone was so happy with. Like, it was such an interesting origin that uh, they got Christy Golden to come in and tell that story, tell the origin of Inferno Squad. So we laid the groundwork for Christy, and then Christy came in and just, she ran with it and did it her, her own original story. Inferno Squad is Christy's story. And we were involved with Christy in that we were on the Skype calls with her. Uh, Janina as well, Janina Gavankar, who plays our protagonist, was like fast friends with Christy. They were buds immediately. They talked about the character a ton. And through that, we were able to learn about Aiden uh, at a deeper level because Christy and Janina were, were kind of digging really deep into the younger version of this character. And Janina would bring that to set and talk to me about it. And that would inform the writing process and her performance. Uh, so it was, it's very involved because if you're not, then you just, you don't get the authenticity of the character. You don't get that genuine version of herself, uh, which I think, I don't know, that, that to me speaks to the relationship between Lucasfilm and all of its collaborators. They encourage that kind of thing because, no, go ahead. Um, it seems like Janina sort of went a bit above and beyond the call of duty into getting into this character. Man, we in no way expected like I knew Janina was passionate because she auditioned for the role and sent this adorable email to like her agent or manager, whoever to send to us. That was like <laughs> like hilariously cryptic, like, hey, if you guys are working on that uh, Blar Blores franchise, uh, are, you know, I'm really glad to see you working on uh, a female protagonist. And I love this medium. And even if I don't get the role, I'm really excited to see what you do. And it was just this like really genuine and heartfelt email. And she was very clearly very passionate. And we knew she was a fan as well. That was just like a nice, a nice bonus when when we cast Janina. Is she's a legitimate Star Wars fan. She's got Wookiee plushies and Darth Vader sweaters and all this stuff. But I did not expect Janina when we cast her to be the person striding out onto stage at EA Play in an in a Iden Versio themed dress with the five hundred first behind her. Uh, I didn't expect Janina to be sitting in the front row at Star Wars Celebration with me and my mom, all of us just crying our eyes out when the trailer is revealed <laughs> to the world. And everyone's like, yay, cheering, I'm Versio, this character we've never seen before. Like, that's a for real moment in your life. Uh, that is so good. Now, um, for someone like myself, I'm not much of a video game player. I played a bit of Battlefront. I got killed in the first 20 seconds. I would fan out on There's Darth Vader and then he'd end up stabbing me. Um, give me some sizzle. I, I know you've got now the, the, the sort of the story mode or the, the campaign uh, on Battlefront 2. Yeah, like <laughs> you can just if you don't want like a, a Cloud 9 player who's taking a break from professional Counter-Strike to come and slaughter you. The campaign is the place for you because okay. uh, we have uh, I mean, the campaign has multiple difficulty modes. So if you play on Explorer, that's our lowest difficulty mode that lets you really kind of soak in the scenery without a ton of tension. Uh, it lets you kind of uh, survive combat a little easier. That might be the mode for you. That's the mode for me. I am also terrible. Uh, I, I, same deal, man. I go into multiplayer and just get annihilated. Uh, I, I, was, I, I was fanning out on everything, and then I wasn't concentrating <laughs> on staying alive. <laughs> I do the thing where I look around, and I'm like, man, how did Dice do this? How did they make the map look so-? And then I'm dead because uh, I'm not paying attention but, to, the, but- to the events around me. I'm looking at the environment art. I'm interested in this Explorer mode because it does... This is a video game that I want. Like, I, I loved in Battlefront, uh, the first one, where you could, you know, you could, you were on Endor and stuff. But I just want one where you just... Your whole goal of the game is that you're just watching Ewoks from bushes. 
You just, oh man, you just I would them. give anything to work on a Star Wars walking simulator. Let me just just explore the forests of Endor, pet some Ewoks. I don't even want to I'm pet with him. you, man. I just want to watch him pick <laughs> berries and make hang gliders, just doing whatever they're doing. And I'm just sitting in the bushes, just taking it all in. Like a, a David Attenborough-style video game. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Explorer mode is not that. People will still shoot at you in Explorer mode. Maybe we need to go back to the board and uh, rethink this whole thing. Yes, like way more, less impact. That's what I'm after. I, I just need more... Um, I guess more video than game. Which... Yeah, we need we need the planet Earth of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think I, I do think most of my suggestions will send EA bankrupt. But hey, one sale <laughs> that that's an important sale to get me on board. I, I, no, it's fine. This is good. This is now the future of our collaboration. I'm going to write it. You're going to narrate it. Planet Earth nice. Star Wars edition. Now tell me about this one thing that. Um, I especially are looking forward to in The Last Jedi is Luke Skywalker. And does he make an appearance? Is this a spoiler thing that you can't talk about? Does he get a, uh, a bit of uh, game time in Battlefront 2? So that was one of the most exciting things about getting to work on Battlefront 2 is the, the reason people love this this game and the reason people have always loved it is it's all, it's about troopers, pilots, and heroes. And for, when we made Aiden, we wanted her to represent all three. But at the same time, Battlefront's heroes from the multiplayer, they just people loved playing them. So we wanted to embrace that and bring some heroes to the campaign. So yes, Luke Skywalker is one of the characters you can play in the campaign. And we got to write a Luke Skywalker story. That's incomprehensible to me that we got to take a, take a look at Luke Skywalker in the aftermath of Return of the Jedi when his father has died. He's seen his father redeem himself. The Emperor has fallen. He's realized that Leia is his sister. He's come to terms with a lot of stuff. He's probably in a pretty raw place. We had to think about what is Luke thinking and how is he thinking about things right now? What kind of journey is Luke on after Return of the Jedi, what is he seeking? How is he feeling? Uh, and the mission that we have with Luke is something I'm super proud of, and I definitely don't want to spoil too, too much. Uh, but we get to put Luke on a path that I'm excited to see more of after Battlefront 2 is out. After people have seen the Luke Skywalker chapter that that we have, I'm excited to see what what comes next. Because that's the, the awesome thing about writing Star Wars is when you make your mark and you tell your story, that's something that exists and other writers who come to the table need to account for that. So we've, we, we put Luke on a bit of a path in battlefront two that I am very eager to see explored in the future. Ooh, that is some red hot sizzle. I hope hope you realize, I hope you realize that that is hallowed ground. You know, all that we've seen in the new canon of Luke Skywalker is he's turned around. You know, like people were, were hanging for Luke Skywalker stories in Aftermath and, and other books, and it's it's been left to you, Mitch Dyer, to well, be the first person to actually tell a Luke Skywalker story before The Last Jedi. Yeah, and I'm, I'm super excited to read the novel, that, that like short story collection about the legend of Luke. 
that's coming out real soon. I'm super excited to see all of that because it's like rumors about Luke Skywalker, right? Like these stories are told from the perspective of things people have heard about him, which is great because I want to see <laughs> what does the galaxy think of Luke Skywalker. Um, I am, I am, is I, I am excited sick, about man. that. It's, I am excited about that, but I want facts. I'm sick of rumor. Facts. I want Luke Skywalker facts. <laughs> Give them to You're me, Mitch. Facts. We're going to give it to – so here's here's how this thing came about, and I, I don't think I've actually talked about this, and uh, Nicole from PR is going to rein me in if I'm going too far, but I think it's okay. So when we started talking about the hero missions we wanted in Battlefront 2, we were like, okay, well, Luke would be cool. Luke would be definitely cool to do, uh, and we went to the table to Lucasfilm and said, yeah, we'd like to do a Luke mission because uh, it'd be cool, and their response was, okay, that's great, but it's cool is not a good enough reason to tell a Luke Skywalker story. Because it is hallowed ground. He is a sacred character. He means a lot. And that was a moment for us where we realized, oh, like, we've we've been prepared for everything so far. But what we want to do with Luke isn't something that we had fully thought out yet. So when they threw it back to us to say, you know, come up with a good reason. Come up with a good story. And you can tell a good Luke Skywalker story. But until then, why? Why do you want to tell a Luke Skywalker story? So we can, we my co-writer Walt and I met with our game director Mark Thompson and we sat down and we were like what do we want to do and we built this thing and we brought it back to Lucasfilm and they said yeah definitely you're doing this story and that's the story we're telling in Battlefront 2. In the story does he look at his green lightsaber and go listen green lightsaber that I built sure you won't see me in any upcoming marketing materials, but I definitely yeah. will turn you back on in about 20 to 30 years when the time calls for it. Is that line uh, the included line, in the video the, game? The line verbatim is, Yoda Jr., I hope to see you soon. <laughs> oh, he calls his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> he does now, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm definitely uh, very interested in, in this Luke Skywalker story. So I will leave you with this, Mitch Dyer. We have got a infinite amount of uh, Star Wars to come, both in, in video games and, uh, and on the big screen. Uh, what are you most looking forward to or most hope that goes down in the Star Wars universe? Oh, man, theoretically? Yeah. I would love to see other writers... Uh, take on more Iden Versio stories because there's a lot there's there's a ton of ground in her life that we haven't explored especially you know around the time of the Empire Strikes Back where the Empire is at its absolute peak it is at its most powerful and that is rich territory for a lot of Imperial stories to be told and I would love to see somebody run with Inferno Squad and tell stories of, of that like, what's Inferno Squad doing around the Empire Strikes Back because I don't know the answers and I would love to read that novel, to see that in a TV series, anything. That's me. That's what that's what I would love to see. Maybe that's a little selfish, but I'm going to own it. No, no, it's it's perfectly fine. That is, do you know what I mean? If if I uh, if I wrote something in the Star Wars universe, I'd like to see that continued as well. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's maybe a, a trickier question. Yeah. If Mitch Dyer was still reviewing video games. Yeah. What would what would his critique be of Battlefront 2? Oh, that it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's raised the bar too high. Yeah, it's 
it's it's I can't believe how uh, how good it is. It's just well, just stop making video games. <laughs> We've done it. We've peaked. <laughs> um. Oh man, I I want to give you an honest answer, but we have to. We'll have to do this again after the game comes out because the stuff I want to talk about is spoilers and it's stuff that uh, I don't want to give away yet. So when the game comes out and you play through it and I believe in you steal, you can do it. You can survive it. You can finish it. We'll have to come back and we can we can do a giant breakdown because I've got a ton of stuff I'd love to talk to you about once you played it. That sounds pretty good. And I'm, I'm definitely you've got me on this Luke Skywalker one. I'm all about it. Does he <laughs> does he get to ignite the green in the video game? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's all you need. That that's it's it's that's all you need to sell a copy. Ignite the green. <laughs> we got one sale. Mitch, thanks so much for your time and uh, I can't wait to uh, be belittled by the piece of Star Wars media you've thrown into a video game format and uh, I uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, I hope that forces you. Too, this was fun. And you as well. I can't wait to talk again. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that really fun and informative episode with Laura Syracuse and her absolute devotion to Rose Tico. It's getting close. It's getting close. If you want to help out the Steel Wars podcast in any way, there are several ways to do it. Uh, The easiest is the new episode announcement, tweet and Facebook status is always posted to the top of the feed. If you want to give us a retweet or a share and let people know you're listening to the show and you're enjoying what we're doing, that is the easiest way for us to get new listeners and that is the easiest way to help us out for the content that you have just listened to because it's the listener word of mouth is how we get new listeners, you guys. If you're on iTunes, uh, quickly leaving us a sweet five-star review bumps us up the rankings and lets other potential listeners know that we're doing good stuff in Star Wars media. And uh, if you want to see a little visual interpretation of Steel Wars, go at us at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. Putting up little highlight clips and little enhanced clips and that sort of stuff as well. And we've got some... I'm working on this new clip that should be pretty informative. So check all that out at uh, youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. Click subscribe and uh, enjoy, you guys. Uh, the Steel Wars merch store is pumping out orders. Your Snoke Theory sucks. The Pog, Pog, Pog and Pog t-shirt. The Yub Nub tea. The I'm Raised Parents tea. Plus stickers and all that good stuff at steelwars.com. If you want to support the podcast in a small financial way and be rewarded with full-length versions of all our back episodes and weekly bonus episodes like the listener Q&A, the call-in show bonus section, 
and exclusive shows like Making Steel Wars, where Jason Ward and I go into the Star Wars news behind the news. Very highly acclaimed bonus podcast, which we are recording a new one today, trying to piece together in what order do all the moments from the trailers occur, which should be a fun experiment. Then go to patreon.com forward slash steel wars and for just three dollars a month you can support the podcast's ongoing production and have access to all the weekly bonus episodes and the 300 plus archive shows back there uh you get an rss feed which you can easily paste into your podcast app or catcher of choice and they just download like any other podcast it is really smooth and a, a great way for a couple of your spare dollars to contribute to allow me to keep making these shows for you which is one of the most rewarding and just happy things in my life by making these shows for you and uh, being able to afford the time that goes into um getting them out so thank you guys so much thank you to our hundreds of patreon supporters we really appreciate it my other podcast i love green guide letters it is a comedy podcast where myself and my mates try to review the complaint letters to the australian tv guide uh we have the guys meso and mr sunday movies from the Weekly Planet, they're going to be on the episode going up tomorrow, which should be really good. I know you guys appreciate them on Steel Wars, so uh, check out I Love Green Guide Letters and uh, hit them up on that. If you're not already a part of the Steel Wars listener, Star Wars Safe Haven or whatever it's called, that group is linked to the uh, Steel Wars page on Facebook, or you can get a link on SteelWars.com, and uh, you can chat Star Wars with uh, all the people you hear on the call-in show, previous guests, and just just looky-loos, just hanging out there. But it's super good, and uh, he's got to answer a couple of very easy-to-answer questions to make sure you're not some sort of crazy spam robot or weirdness. It's so many weird accounts trying to join that group. Very, very strange. Thank you guys so much for your support of the show. I truly appreciate it. And may that force be with you.
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Also, for more Star Wars podcasting, check out the Making Star Wars Podcast Network at makingstarwars.net. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.